Hope will arise. 
Good morning, East Taylorsville Baptist Church. Good morning, guests. We're so glad to have you guys back here in our parking lot. Uh, can everybody hear me okay this morning? I'll take that as a yes. Well, it's good to see you all on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. And uh, there's no place I'd rather be than here worshiping the Lord with you. But we're glad that you're here. And I just want to uh, look in your bulletin. Um, if you've got your bulletin today, I know online some of you wonder what that looks like. You can actually go to our website and look at the bulletin for the week and download that. But the, the insert that we have in there today has announcements on it. And one of the things that most of you know by now is that we are going to plan to do this for several more weeks. Uh, right now we're planning to be back in on June the 21st, but that could change. Just understand that. We know going in, uh, as more people are tested, as things go back to normal, we're kind of being precautious. Uh, we want to make sure we're going in in a safe manner. So we've kind of delayed our entering back in. So we're going to monitor that and watch that right now. We're tentatively planning to be back in with modifications, with different seating arrangements on June the 21st, which is Father's Day. But we will let you know as we get closer exactly what that's going to look like. But as we begin our time of worship, um, I want to read this. This is in your bulletin on the back of your announcements. Just a reminder of what this day is about, this Memorial Day weekend. It just simply says this, Thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice so many throughout our history have made, for the men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice, and for their families who had to carry on without them. It is a sacrifice that is easy to forget. Memorial Day weekend, this is not necessarily officially the beginning of summer, though that's what we look at it as sometimes. This is a time for us to remember those who get paid the ultimate price. And the price that they paid, the, the cost that was paid, gives us the freedom to even gather here today. So we need to give thanks to the Lord for that. So as we gather and we worship today, may it be with an, a, a grateful heart to say, Lord, thank you for all that you've given us, and Lord, you are worthy of praise. So let's, uh, as I say a lot of times, turn up your radio. We encourage you to sing in your cars. You've got the words. Sing at home, and let's give God the glory he's due.
quick announcement. If you'll pick up your monthly magazines as we leave out today, they're over here. Just pick those up. Today's Memorial Day, and we want to remember those who have fallen. And I want to read to you in Psalms 46 a few verses and then have prayer. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As we go to the Lord in prayer today, that we remember those who have fallen for our freedoms. You know, my father was in the Navy in World War II. He served on the U.S. Hornet. He was in the uh, Doolittle Raid to bomb Japan right after Pearl Harbor. He was in the Battle of Midway, all the major battles. But this is what I do remember. I also remember him telling of his fallen friends in those battles and how they were buried at sea. I also can remember seeing his hurt throughout his lifetime of those who were lost. Many of you have experienced loss of a loved one who's serving in our armed forces. And we want to remember those families today and pray for them. Join me in prayers. We remember the men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. Let us pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. The Lord, you paid the ultimate sacrifice for us that we might have the freedom from sin. Lord, that we might be forgiven. Lord, that we might have a home in heaven. But God, today we also want to thank you for those who have paid a sacrifice for our freedom. Men and women 
who have fought and gave their life. Father, we want to thank you for the families, and we pray that you would bless them even today as they're still hurting from the loss of a loved one who have fallen in the battle from years past, Lord, even to the present time. And, Father, you're the God of all comfort, and I pray you'd comfort the families, and we honor them today. We, we remember them today. We thank you for their life. We thank you, Lord, for the freedoms that we have. And, Lord, we want to thank you for those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom. Father, would you bless those today and those families and be with them today as we remember them. In Jesus' name, amen. surrendered to the mighty cross of Jesus Christ the earth would shake beneath the weight of darkened skies on his cross a crown of sorrow for a king whose weakness was our strength no word he spoke his love was for all to see oh the cross of jesus is the reason I'm alive for his blood has set me free it will never lose its power for me Floods the night as hope prevails to shine. Salvation waits, our chains to break, and we.
Well, good morning, East Hills of Baptist Church. Was that singing not a blessing? In your cars, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Uh, last week, uh, we talked about the gospel, and we looked at the first several verses of Romans chapter 1. Uh, today, I want to continue with this thought about the gospel, but this part of the, of the message, I want to talk about our responsibility in sharing the gospel. Paul says here, notice in verse 14 of chapter 1, he makes this statement, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me, as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So the question is, even though you know what the gospel is, do you share the gospel? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Let me ask you this question. I know we're not ashamed of the gospel. But have you ever been scared to share the gospel with somebody for whatever reason? Think about this. If everyone witnessed this year like you have witnessed, how many people would come to know Christ? Paul says, I'm a debtor. He says, I'm ready. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We know last week we talked about this. If you're wrong about the gospel, you'll be wrong in every other part of your theology and doctrine. The gospel is a compound word which means good news. It means you can be saved from the wrath of God, forgiven, and given eternal life. The word picture of the gospel is one where someone had such a, a happy announcement, or they heard such a happy announcement, they were overflowed with joy. It reminded me of the night I got saved on October 30th, 1990. And I remember going home to my grandparents' house. And I remember walking in the door. It was about 7.30, 8 o'clock, I don't remember. Now, my grandmother was a heavy set lady, and she never got all that emotional. And I remember when I walked in, she said, she, she's probably the only person on the planet that calls me James. And she says, James, where have you been? And I remember I just said this, Grandma got saved tonight. And that's all I said. Now, I'm 20 years old, and my grandmother, this little old lady, started jumping up and down and clapping her hands, saying, James got saved. That is the word picture of the gospel. It is good news. It is glad tidings. It is great joy. It is something that you should share over and over and over again. Paul so loved the gospel that he says this about himself. He makes three I am statements. Notice verse 14, and it's in your, it's in your uh, uh, handout. He says, I am a debtor. Notice that. Or some translations say, I have an obligation. It is something I do. I'm a steward of the gospel. The word debtor means a person's indebted, one who owes another. Its background speaks of a financial obligation that is owed by one person to another. Because you have received the gospel, you're to be a steward of the gospel to those who don't. You're in debt to them. Stephen Lawson says this about the word debtor. This is the same is true for us. As long as I withhold the gospel from someone else, whether it's in my office, in my family, at school, or someone I sit next to on an airplane, I remain in debt to them because God has entrusted to me the truth to give to them. Are you in debt to anyone right now? Are you in debt? Is there someone that you're withholding the gospel from? If so, you are in debt. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament picture of that is the prophet Ezekiel. And he shares the idea that as a prophet, he saw himself as a watchman on the wall. And if you'll read back in Ezekiel, he talks about a watchman on the wall would stand on the wall, 
while everyone in the city behind the wall would go about their everyday lives, oblivious to what was happening outside the city because you have a wall and you have a watchman on the wall looking out for the people. Now, the watchman on the wall, his job was if he saw the enemy coming, he was to shout or he was to blow the trumpet and they knew that the enemy was coming, then their response to that was up to them. If they chose not to respond to it and the enemy came and took over the city, that was on them. But if the watchman failed to blow the trumpet, then the whole city's blood was on his hands. And what Paul is saying is this, I am a watchman or I am a debtor to everyone. Notice how he words it in verse 14. Or, or verse 14. He says, I am a debtor to Greeks. And what he's using here when he says Greeks and barbarians, he's talking about the whole spectrum of people. The Greeks were the sophisticated people of his day. They were civilized, cultured. They were highly sophisticated. We're often looked upon as people on a higher level than others, and they certainly looked upon themselves as that way. Sometimes some of the hardest people to reach with the gospel are those who think they're intelligent. Paul was often intimidated when he went to Corinth. He said, I didn't come to you with excellency of speech. As a matter of fact, that Greco-Roman world would make fun of how Paul looked. They made fun of literally how he spoke. He didn't speak like the normal people. He didn't have great oratory skills. But his message came with power. Paul says, I'm a debtor to those people, even though at times they intimidate me. And then he says this also, I'm, I'm in debt to the barbarians. If the Greeks are at the top of the social ladder, the barbarians are at the bottom, the absolute bottom the most debased people in society, the most uneducated, the most ruthless. One scholar said the word barbarian was a derisive term used by the Greeks who looked down upon the barbarians. And the reason they called them barbarians is because when these people spoke, this was their language. This is what it sounded like. Bar, 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 bar. And one scholar says barbarian is not even a word, but a mocking of people who have never been taught how to read, write, or speak with elegance. And Paul says this, just as I'm to reach the Greeks, I'm also to reach the barbarians. No one is beyond the debt we owe to share the gospel. Two different types of people, which speaks about all types of people. William McDonald said this, he says, anyone who has Christ has the answer to the world's deepest need. He has a cure to the disease of sin, the way to escape the eternal horrors of hell, and the guarantee of everlasting happiness with God. This puts him under solemn obligation to share the good news with people of all cultures. This obligation is not just for pastors and the staff. It's for everyone who has been born again. You owe a debt to someone else to share the gospel. Not only that, does Paul say, I'm a debtor. Notice the second part in, in verse 15. Paul says, I am ready. Notice the word ready. Some translations say eager. He says in verse 15, so as much as is in me, I am ready. I am ready. Notice the word ready. It's a compound word that pictures the forward lean of a runner pressing forward with the gospel. It gives the idea of someone who is passionate about being in a race. And he's not just passionate about being in a race. He loves everything about it. He loves the training. He loves race day. He loves racing. He loves the competition. He loves the finish line so much that he leans forward with heavy, passionate breathing to, to, uh, to finish the race. And Paul says, I have a passion to share the gospel. I am ready. Notice what he says. I am ready to preach the gospel. Paul is saying this. Now listen to me. He must open his mouth and speak the gospel 
to others. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. When is the last time, and I'm putting this all on notice here this morning, when is the last time you, sir, or you, ma'am, opened your mouth and preached the gospel to a lost person? When is the last time? Think about it. When is the last time? Paul said, Paul said this, Every day I wake up, my passion in life, my passion is to share the gospel. My schedule is, is really dictated by my passion to share the gospel. Everywhere I go, I look for opportunities to share the gospel. It is my passion. That's why he says, I am ready to preach the gospel. See, some of us, you're building bridges with lost people. But you can't build bridges for 25 years. Eventually, you've got to share the gospel. Lifestyle evangelism will take you so far, but there comes a time you've got to open your mouth and preach the gospel. When is the last time you've opened your mouth and shared the gospel with a lost person? The night the Lord saved me, a man opened his mouth and shared the gospel. I'm thankful he was not ashamed, he was not intimidated. I'm thankful that it was his passion to share the gospel because on a Tuesday night, the Lord saved me. Paul says, I am ready to share the gospel. Now, we're Southern Baptist. We're supposed to be the most evangelistic denomination on the face of the earth. So how are we doing? I looked up some stats about Southern Baptists. And I, thought, and I, and I read some of these. In 2015-2016, which is the latest stats I got, the SBC had the smallest number of baptisms since 1946, the smallest num number of members since 1990, the smallest number of people in worship since 1996, and those smaller numbers are in spite of a steadily growing number of churches. 82% of all Southern Baptist churches are plateaued or declining. 74 churches per week close their doors for good. See, it sounds like there's a lot of people that aren't in debt and aren't ready to share the gospel. And whenever I read those stats, I look in the mirror. I don't point fingers at other people. I look at myself. When is the last time I've opened my mouth to share the gospel? Now, Paul says this in verse 15. Notice what he says. So as much as is in me, I am ready to pe preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. This was one of the hardest areas to reach one scholar put it this way to talk about what Paul's saying. He says this. This is an amazing statement, talking about going to Rome. Because the toughest place in the known world to preach the gospel would have been Rome. This was the capital of the Roman Empire where flagrant depravity was prevalent everywhere. Rome was a cesspool of inequity, as most idolatrous, immoral, incestuous place is known in the world the most. Yet despite how dark it is, Paul declares that he's eager to go to Rome, the toughest place to share the gospel. He knows that the darkness cannot expel the light, but the light will always expel the darkness. Therefore, Paul is ready and eager to go to Rome. We must be ready and eager to go to the hardest places and reach the hardest people if we're ready to share the gospel. And then the last thing Paul says is this, I am not ashamed. Notice verse 16. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for Christ, of Christ. I am not ashamed. And then he tells us why. Notice the word for. Anytime you see the word for in here, it means it's an explanation. He's explaining why he's not ashamed. And notice what he says, the first thing. It is the power of God. Notice that. When you share the gospel, you're sharing the literal power of God. This word power comes from the Greek word dunamis, 
which is the English word dynamite. One scholar put it this way, the gospel is the, is the explosive dynamite of God unto salvation. There is no more powerful message in the entire world than this truth. No message has a greater life-changing, eternity-altering impact than the gospel. No message makes a deeper effect on a person's life. No message has the power to change them from the inside out than the gospel. Think about that. Any other message is simply behavior modification. Mere religion is only an outward face life of a person's life. The gospel alone has the divine power to revolutionize a person's life so that they are no longer the same. Paul says this elsewhere in the, to the church at Corinth. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away. Behold, all things have become new. When you share the gospel, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of, of the gospel because it is the power of God that can change a person's life. When you think about the gospel and the power of God, notice how the Bible describes God's power. In Psalm 79, the Bible says that God has great power. In Psalm 89, the Bible says that God has strong power. In Exodus 15, the Bible says God has glorious power. Job says God has mighty power. Isaiah says God has everlasting power. Romans 9 says God has sovereign power. Isaiah 43 says God has effectual power. Deuteronomy 32 says God has irresistible power. Psalm 89.8 says God's power is incomparable. Job 5 says God's power is unsearchable. Jeremiah says this, It is He who has made the earth by His power. Jeremiah goes on to say, It is I who by my great power and my outstretched arm have made the earth, quoting the Lord. Psalm 33.8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him, for He spoke and it came to be God's power. Listen, the night I got saved, a choir wasn't singing, preacher wasn't preaching, wasn't no, wasn't no testimonies being given. A man sat right in front of me in a chair and he shared the gospel. And it, it, that, the dynamite of the gospel changed my life. The dynamite, it's not, it's not how clever you can speak. It's not how emotional the service is. But the gospel has power. The same power that created the world can change your life. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the most powerful message on the planet. Why would I be ashamed of it? Not only that, but he says this, it is the power of God, notice, unto salvation. Unto salvation. Total transformation of life and eternity. You should never, listen to me, you should never ever entertain the thought of being ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. This gospel changes men and women dramatically. Stephen Lawson says, no one can receive the gospel and not dramatically impact their life. When you believe the gospel, you'll be radically transformed at the deepest level of your being. The gospel is not just painting the exterior of your life. It's a total reconstruction process. The word saved there. Notice what the word saved. What do you save from? It means deliverance from great danger, rescue from ruin. You're literally saved. Not just total life transformation, but you're given eternal life. You're saved from the just penalty that you deserved before Christ. You're saved from the wrath of God. Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. Those outside of Christ are but a heartbeat away from this soul-damning wrath of God. To be saved means to be saved from the eternal flames of hell and to be given 
eternal life. Hebrews 10, 31 says this, It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It is the power of God unto salvation. And notice what Paul says. Notice how we're saved. You think, well, how can I be saved? That's the question I asked that Tuesday night. How can I be saved? And notice what he says in, in verse 14. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Notice the word believes. This, this is not mean that you just believe Jesus lived. The word believe means to commit one's life to, to trust in, to embrace, to, to place all your hopes in, to go all in, if you will. That Tuesday night when the Lord saved me, I knew my life was changing forever. I repented of my sin and placed my faith and trust in Jesus. And that word believes is present tense. See, I'm believing in Christ right now. I'm trusting in Christ right now. Preachers don't go to heaven because they preach. Preachers go to heaven because they trust in Christ. Christians don't go to heaven because they live in America and go to church. It's because you're trusting in Christ. What are you trusting in right now for your salvation? See, the gospel, this good news, is the power of God unto salvation. And Paul says, because of that, I'm a debtor. God, you've saved me, now I owe it to give it away. I'm a debtor to any lost person I come in contact with. Whether they're really smart or whether they're grossly immoral, I'm a debtor to that person. No one is beyond the reach of the gospel. Never look down on another person. To the Greeks and to the barbarians. And then Paul says, I'm ready. I have a passion to share the gospel. Do you still have a passion for the lost? I, I would always ask people this. What does your lost person's prayer list look like? How long is it? How long is it? And if you don't have one, you don't have much passion. When is the last time you begged God to open a door so that you could share your faith? When is the last time? You know, when I, when I, before I went into the ministry, I worked in furniture. And I, every morning I would go in, I would pray, and I'd say, God, open the door, and I'll step through it. If you open the door, I promise you, I'll share the gospel. And day after day, not every day, but day after day, God would open the door. And then it was up to me. One of the greatest things you can pray today before we leave is, God, give me a passion for the lost. And God, you open the door. You open the door. And God, I'll share the gospel. I dare you to pray that prayer. Are you ashamed of the gospel? I ask myself that often. Now, I want you all to look at me. I'm, I'm Jamie Steele, our pastor. He's Taylor Baptist Church. When I was a student pastor, over my time as being a student pastor and pastor, I personally baptized probably 100 teenagers that I personally led to the Lord. Right? Because I'm not ashamed, right? I mean, I encourage people, do not be ashamed of the gospel. I, I, the Southern Baptist Convention have a great uh, theme this year. It's who's your one? And they're saying, pray for one person, just that one person, and lead that person to Christ. The whole Southern Baptist churches are doing it. I taught that back in 2010. I gave everybody a card and I said, listen, reach one person this year with the gospel. Write their name on the card. We, we had uh, some time between there and, and we had a church member who was very evangelistic. She was at Chapel Hill Hospital. Now, she was dying. Thankfully, she got to come home before she died. I love this lady. Very inspirational to me. And she called me one day at Chapel Hill. I'd go two times a week to Chapel Hill. And she said, preacher, one time when I was visiting, she said, there's a nurse on night shift. That's lost. Great young girl. Will you help me pray that I can win her to Jesus? I said, yes. She calls me within about four days. And she says, listen, you need to get down here. And I said, why? It's like 9 o'clock in the morning. She says, I need you to bring me another one card. She says, because that girl got saved last night. There's a girl on first shift now who I'm witnessing to. You know what I did? 
I drove two hours, took a 10-cent piece of cardboard so that she could write this girl's name on that little cardboard, and we prayed for her salvation. Man, listen, because you're not ashamed, right? Do you realize how many prisons I've been in and preached? To some of the worst of society that we would say? I remember one time uh, going to Kentucky with Forgiven Ministry. And I remember it's a big prison, bigger than ours. And I'm walking down the, down the sidewalk with my wife and the Forgiven Ministries. And all the men on the yard come over to the fence and they start laughing, uh, saying such vulgar things. You know what I did? I was like, I ain't scared. I'm sharing the gospel. What do I have to be scared of? I have a message that's the power of God unto salvation. Preached two chapel services. Many men come to know Christ. Went to the trustee camp after that. The guy driving our van says, ain't nobody ever got saved in a trustee camp. Ain't nobody ever got saved in a trustee camp. We had several men get saved in a trustee camp. After the, after the, mess, the sermon was over, I spoke. Uh, Connie Wagner spoke. Scotty Barnes spoke. One of the big guys came up to me, young guy. He looked too young to be in prison. And he says, he says, Jamie, can I talk to you? I said, yes. He says, I used to be a wrestler on WCW Monday Night Nitro. And I won't tell you who he was, but I knew him. I said, are you kidding me? That was you. He says, yes. And he told me how he got in prison. And he said, will you pray that the Lord would save me? And I said, I sure will. Let's pray now. And then after that, he says, I have a son who's just, who's just born before I got in here. And will you pray that, his, that he will not hate me for being here? And I said, I'll pray. You know why? Because I'm not ashamed. Right? You're not ashamed. I was called by the prison one time to go and witness to a man. who He asked to see a preacher. Didn't ask to see me, just asked to see a preacher. This guy was so bad. They had two guards with him. They handcuffed him to the bed. And the one guard says, I hope you know what you're doing. This is a dangerous man. And I walked in there, and there was a room full of guards. And we started talking, small talking. And I got this far to him, and I said, listen, you need Jesus. And I just shared the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to the Greeks and to the barbarians. I've been to solitary confinement at the Alexander Central Prison and witnessed to a guy who looked like the Joker. I don't care. Me and yelling and screaming. You know why? Because I got the gospel. But let me ask you a question. Let's be honest. Have you ever in your life been intimidated by somebody else? Ever. Have you ever? Is there, is there one person that you're just like, I'll share the gospel with anybody, but Lord, I just don't know if I can share it with them? Before I went into ministry, I tried, like I said, I tried to share the gospel. I worked with a lot of truck drivers. Some of the best men on the planet drives trucks. I got a chance to witness to a lot of them. A lot of them were Christians, but there was one guy that I worked with. He would come in, not all the time, but ever so often. Now, have you ever met somebody that chewed tobacco and never spit? This was this guy. And he drank coffee. I don't know how he did it. Probably the most foul-mouthed person I've ever been around in my life. When he would come in, he didn't come in a lot. When he started talking, you could just hear him across the plant, and my, i just get cold chills. And I, my goal was to get him loaded and get him out, all right? I knew that was my goal, just get him out, just get him out. He had the worst dirty jokes. He always told the same one to me over and over and over again. I thought, just please leave, you know? And God started dealing with my heart and said, listen, you're getting ready to go into ministry. You'll never see these guys again, most of them. You really need to witness to this guy. You know, I had like two months before I was going full-time ministry. And I remember the guy came in, and I heard him, and I was like, oh, I don't got time today. I got a quota to meet. And you know what I did? I just loaded his truck, told him bye. And I thought, well, he'll come back in. I'll have an opportunity to share the gospel with this guy. He never came back in, ever. Kind of forgot about the, the guy, to be honest with you, because I was in ministry. And I remember being at a, I think it was an evangelism conference. I could be wrong. And the guy speaking was such a godly person, such a good preacher, 
And he basically said, and he's speaking mainly to preachers, and he says, have you ever been ashamed or too busy to share the gospel? And you know what my thought was? That old truck driver. And I thought, man, I've witnessed to everybody on the planet. And this guy right here, for whatever reason, I just would not share the gospel with him. And this guy said this. It was just a real simple thing. He says, he says do you believe that God can do anything? We said, yeah. He said, why don't you pray for an opportunity to meet that person again? I was easy for me. I'm never going to see this person again. So I said, Lord, if you'll give me an opportunity to, to witness to this old foul mouth, tobacco-chewing truck driver, I'll do it because I'm not ashamed of you. Well, guess what happened? About three or four years later, I'm going to Baptist Hospital like I've been a hundred times. For whatever reason, I took a ride off the interstate at an exit I never go off of, ever, because I wanted a diet sun drop and some sunflower seeds, and I had a little bit of time I remember going off the interstate to the stop sign, took a right, took a left. I could take you to that gas station now, just no problem. And I remember when I pulled in, I said, I'm in a hurry because I'm always in a hurry. Walked in, looked to my left. There's three men over here to the left at the coffee machine. I get my diet sun drop, and I hear them kind of talking. You can tell it's kind of a, a bunch of men talking macho talk. So I said, I'm getting out of here. And the guy in the middle said something. And I stopped, and my, the hair just rose on my arms. I said, are you kidding me? There's no way this is that guy. And I remember going around the aisle, and I looked back there, and there this guy was, that old tobacco-chewing, foul-mouthed truck driver. And I remember we caught eyes, and he said, steal? And I said, yeah. He says, come here, boy, <laughs> like he always said. And he says, he talked about how we worked together and small talk, and he goes, he goes, what are you doing now? And I said, well, I'm going to the hospital, and I got to go. Now listen, I got to go. Got back in my vehicle and left. Preaching prisons, preaching church. I prayed, God, if you'll give me one more chance to witness this guy, I'll do it. You know what he did? He did. And I remember going out to my car and I said, you know what, God can, use, God can save anybody. He can use anybody. He don't got to use me. Kept justifying this in my mind. Went to Baptist Hospital. And the whole time I'm visiting with his family, I thought, you messed up so bad. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. God answered your prayer and you did not share the gospel. You know what I did on the way back home? Took that exit, took, took a ride off the interstate, took a left, drove across the bridge, took a left into the gas station, even went inside, there's nobody there. You know how many times I've stopped at that gas station since then? You know what I did this year before the shutdown? I wasn't thirsty, but I said, you know, perhaps, perhaps. Took a ride off the interstate, went to the stop sign, took a right, took a left into the gas station, go inside, get a bang energy drink, and just look around, and nobody's over there. And I'll, you typically will go out to my car, and I'll say this, God, if you'll give me one more chance, just one more chance to share the gospel, I'll do it. Now, is this person even alive today? I don't know. He may be born again today. I don't know. But it's not because of your preacher. Listen, are you ashamed to share the gospel? If you're ashamed to share it with anybody, you're probably ashamed to share it with everybody. The people need the gospel of Christ. 
they do. We are debtors. We should be ready. And we should not be ashamed. Listen, pray for the lost. When is the last time you've prayed for the lost? And if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, let me tell you, the Bible says it is the power of God unto salvation to whoever believes. Whoever. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you've done. God knows all about you and loves you. And Christ died and bore God's wrath and your sin debt on the cross. If you'll believe in him, trust in him, God will save you. Friends, listen, we have the most powerful, life-changing message on the planet. And it's up to us to share it with the lost and dying world. I want you just for a moment to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to pray something like this. Jesus, use me to share the gospel. Lord, open doors so I can share the gospel. And then now, think about the one person, the one person in your realm of influence that needs the gospel the most. And would you pray for that person now? And then pray this, Lord, help me not to be ashamed of the gospel. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, we want to thank you. Lord, we all fall short and miss opportunities. But Lord, I pray that we'd not be ashamed of the gospel. Lord, it is the power of God unto salvation. I want to thank you for the men and women, Lord, the churches who prayed for me, who, who were not ashamed to share the gospel with me. And Father, I pray, Lord, I'm, I'm indebted. I'm a debtor. Lord, to the Greeks and to the barbarians of Alexander County. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me to share the gospel. Lord, not just as in a preaching capacity, but Lord, in my day-to-day -day living. Father, help us all. We have the greatest news, the most powerful message. It's the, it's the message that the world needs. And help us not to be ashamed of it. Father, we love you today. We praise you and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you.